0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, July 22nd. I'm Matt Hoysh. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, short-term rental question may hit ballot. San Miguel
1: County discusses society turn development
0: Listening Club dives into wasn't tomorrow wonderful.
1: And a mountain weather forecast. But first... Imagine Pass is now open. The pass has been closed since Tuesday due to mudslides.
0: A citizen initiative to restrict short-term rentals in the town of Telluride is working its way through the gears of local government to potentially end up on the November 2021 ballot. The proposed ordinance, submitted by three locals, would cap the number of annual short-term rental licenses issued by the town at 400. Currently, there is no cap. Two groups would be exempt from the caps, any hotels or condos that prohibit owner occupancy and long-term rentals, and anyone short-term renting in their primary residence.
2: If you live in a home and you have a back house that you Airbnb, you can do that. There are no restrictions as long as you prove that that's your primary residence. If you live in a cute little studio and you like to rent it out on Airbnb for bluegrass or Labor Day or 4th of July or the entire month of December, you can do that. Um, so there's no restrictions if it's your primary residence and you are not a part of that 400 cap on licenses.
0: That's Emily Scott Robinson, one of the citizen sponsors. The others are Lolly Levercum and Haley Nenadal. According to Levercum, there are currently about 740 short-term rental licenses in town. Taking the exceptions into account, the sponsors estimate the 400 license cap would apply to roughly 540 current licenses. If passed, the year-long licenses would be issued via an annual lottery, with the first occurring in February 2022 to take effect in January 2023.
2: So it's really a phased-in approach. All the bookings through 2022 will be honored. Um, We don't want to jerk people around. We want people to know what they're going to be able to do, what they'll be licensed to do with their properties, and then they can make an informed decision from that point on.
0: Putting the region's housing challenge in perspective, Robinson notes in the last five years, the town has added about 300 short-term rental licenses. Though town clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh adds some of that increase is likely due to heightened auditing. Here's Robinson.
2: If the average short-term rental has two bedrooms, that is 600 hotel rooms. And when I put it that way, and I say to people, can you imagine the town of Telluride quietly building two new hotels with 300 rooms apiece, with no public discussion, No kind of questions about, is this good for our community? What's our carrying capacity? How many tourists can our infrastructure handle? And when you put it that way, people think, maybe there should be a cap on this.
0: (laughs) The sponsors note the short-term rental limits would only be one piece of a larger solution to the housing issue. Nenadol was also a sponsor of an initiative that passed in 2019 to add a 2.5% tax on short-term rentals to fund affordable housing.
3: And that we saw as a solution for future housing in town. And we started to realize that there was an actual, like, what do we do with the buildings that are already built in town and how do we house the people right now? What's a solution for that? And so this is just a version of that
0: solution. It's another it's another layer to it. But all three also acknowledge they don't think every spot that doesn't get a license will jump into housing locals. Here's Leverkham and Robinson.
3: A percentage will come back to long-term rentals, which is a huge win. I am not making the assumption that all will come back, but I think
2: people will reevaluate because they have to. We also expect that this will generate more properties um, to come up for sale on the market. It will not pop our housing bubble. Telluride has always been an expensive and highly valuable place to live, Um, but we think that it will help deflate a corner of the market that's become highly overinflated.
0: Short-term rental limits aren't unheard of. Crested Butte already has the 30% cap on how many homes can be short-term rentals. And this week, Crested Butte Town Council also unanimously approved a year-long moratorium on accepting new short-term rental licenses for non-primary residents. San Francisco limits non-resident short-term rentals to 90 days per year, and earlier this year, San Diego City Council voted to cap their short-term rentals at 1% of the city's housing starting in July 2022. The Telluride initiative isn't unopposed. Steve Patterson is the president of the Telluride Association of Realtors. The association is mainly looking at educating people as to the end result of this initiative. It's a knee-jerk that has happened in other resort towns with the expectation that it will create
4: a lot of long-term local housing however the reality is
0: most people want to use their homes that do short-term it off and on and so they'll probably just not rent at all he says telluride should build more housing using funds from its real estate transfer tax the town is working on several publicly funded affordable housing projects including the Sunnyside Project, slated to open next year. Lavercum, Nenadal, and Robinson submitted 159 signatures in support of the initiative to the town clerk last week, of which 128 were verified, still exceeding the requirement of roughly 50 signatures. Now, there's a 40-day protest period during which people can contest the signatures or the legality of the ballot question. After that, town council will review the ordinance and either adopt it, or send it to the voters for them to decide on at the November 2nd regular election.
1: The Society Turn development project is moving forward. The nearly 20-acre plot of land for development is owned by Genesee Properties and sits just west of the Society Turn roundabout on the south side of Highway 145. This week, the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners held a nearly five-hour meeting with developers to discuss the sketch plan for the project. The sketch plan proposes a mix of open space, land dedicated to an expansion of the wastewater treatment plant, a new medical center, and land for commercial development. Part of that commercial development is a hotel with up to 125 rooms.
5: The uh, private development is is, uh, proposed to be mixed use. You've got your retail, eating and drinking, offices, both general and medical, and your flex space Uh, that comes in Now, as proposed to the Board of County Commissioners, around 140,000 square
1: feet. That's Kay Simonson, Planning Director for San Miguel County, presenting before the BOCC. The development also proposes 91 units of employee housing.
5: With a mix of studio one and two bedroom units, I would guess that uh, or estimate that with the 91 units and the current mix of studio one and two bedroom units that we'd be housing about 135 employees.
1: It's a detailed application. But despite all that, Tom Kennedy, the attorney working with Genesee on the development, notes the sketch plan is more of a rough draft, a concept of what the development will be, not a set in stone proposal.
4: And at this stage, you know, the the goal is it's less detailed in scope and content when compared to the preliminary plan. But it's trying to give you a basic understanding and evaluation of the project and the application.
1: The sketch plan doesn't include specific building concepts or designs, but there are ideas, potential plants and trees to use as screening, general ideas for building vibes, and trail connectivity. For Chris Touche, project planner for the development, he sees the project as an opportunity to keep local businesses and residents local.
4: In terms of the physical planning and the kind of vibe of the place, Our goal here in master planning this is to create a local serving mixed use neighborhood that is regionally connected and pedestrian friendly and in doing so becomes a great neighbor to Um, Lawson Hill and is able to synergize with the business and um, development that's already occurring and will occur in the future there.
1: He adds the importance of a new medical center cannot be understated.
4: We think about them as the anchor tenant to this project and, you know, underscore that what the medical center delivers to the community is probably one of your most pressing community needs at this time.
1: According to Kennedy, the developers have thought through the restrictions and opportunities for the layout of the project. While he says they're willing to shift and mold based on comments and concerns, he urges the Board of County Commissioners to support the project.
4: We would hope it is a practical matter that you would be supportive of the project with the land uses that we're talking about, You know, the, the land for the public uses and, and the private uses. And we recognize that there's always some other private use that might occur that you would like not to see occur, but the plan's important to us, and it's a balanced plan, and it's a holistic plan, and we think it's an economically viable plan. And if you start taking away elements of it, it's really going to create issues whether we can move forward with the plan and, and, and satisfy ourselves that it is economically viable.
1: There wasn't extensive public comment during the meeting, and the entirety of the comment was in support. Richard Betts is the president of the Telluride Medical Center Board of Directors. He spoke on behalf of the doctors, nurses, and medical staff at the Med Center.
4: We're really excited that the day has finally come when your actions today will allow us to move forward with our planning and financing. I do want to point out that the additional services that we will be able to offer our citizens will mean that over 3,000 patient visits per year could happen at at home without the expense and inconvenience of, of travel.
1: Grayson Fertig also supports the project. He is a youth hockey and lacrosse coach and points to the inclusion of a hotel.
4: Our families travel
6: to other mountain towns and other towns mountain towns travel here on a regular basis. And I think it's exciting to think about families who might have the opportunity to stay in Telluride When they come for a Saturday, Sunday hockey tournament or a jamboree or whatever it ends up being, um, whether it be at the youth level or if um, our high school competitors come and instead of staying in Durango or Montrose, um, they stay in town. I think those are exciting opportunities down the line.
1: Prior to the meeting, over 100 residents provided comment by email. The majority of comments were in support of the development with large support for the medical center. Those in opposition were primarily residents already living in the area. They share concerns about traffic, light pollution, and disruption to the View Corridor. On the whole, the BOCC seems in support of the development. However, they do have some questions. Commissioners cite a need to discuss more housing mitigation efforts, lighting, trails and pedestrian access, setback variance requests, and hotel plans. While the development is moving through the necessary stages of planning, full development on the site is still a way off. The sketch plan is just the second step in a five-step process for the development approval. If approved, the wastewater treatment plant and the new Medical Center will take priority. Developers say general construction on the land is likely seven to ten years away. The Board of County Commissioners decided to continue the discussion on the sketch plan. They will continue talks about the development at a meeting on Wednesday, July 28th.
0: This Monday, the Wilkinson Public Library will host its monthly listening club. It's like a book club, but for albums. This month, John Wontrobsky will dive into his album of choice. Wasn't tomorrow wonderful? By the waitresses, you know, I saw what people were putting up and what people
6: were discussing for this program, and I saw that they were doing all the classics, you know, the five star records in the Rolling Stone Record Guide side of thing, and I just thought of like, okay, what album? I've got a bunch of those, but I've also got like, what album do I listen to a lot? And this is one that I still listen to a lot. Need any It came out in 1982, it was in the early part of what would be called the new wave era. At the time I was going to high school in Manhattan and my regular record shop was Tower Records down on Broadway and 4th and I saw this one and I tended not to buy singles, I tended to buy the whole album, I saw it as like an entire work of art. And uh, so I got it. In the early 1980s, in 81, when I started high school, the Walkman was the new invention. And so I would buy albums from uh, Tower Records, bring them home, listening to them, but also transfer them immediately onto cassette tape. And uh, this was on one side, and Joe Jackson's Look Sharp was on the other side, and I just used to listen constantly. period thing going on and I was very into Joan Jett. She was also kind of on the ascendancy. She had just left the Runaways and uh, I just like that whole woman power, feminist music, you know, she's the start of the Riot Girls movement, etc. And then I listened to this album, The Waitresses, and I thought, oh here's another example of it. This is all about women's empowerment and, you know, you're not subservient to guys. And after a while I was realized, oh, this entire album has been written by a guy. His name is Chris Butler, and uh, it, was, it was just a very interesting story, and I think it explores very interesting things that we're talking about now. Can, for example, a white writer write about the black experience? Can, in this case, can a male writer write music about the female experience? thing about this album is there's one song on there, I Know What Boys Like, and that's their one-hit wonder claim to fame. It was a huge tune at the time, but then nobody really seemed to go past that, and uh, I think the rest of the album is just excellent. I can't remember who the reviewer was who talked about this album, but um, it wasn't a huge hit at the time except for that one single, and uh, Chris Butler told this reviewer that uh, the album was too poppy for the art crowd and too arty for the pop crowd, and it kind of missed both groups. No Guilt is is classic about a a woman who's kind of discovering herself and before she had basically based her whole life and her whole personality on whoever a boyfriend that she was with and she dumps the boyfriend and realizes whoa life is pretty good it's not you know I got no problems. There's a lot of tape looping going on in here this was a time when uh, sampling and things like that were going on so there's a song called Jimmy Tomorrow which explores that. Pussy Strut is, a, is an interesting song. Um, I find it explores this idea of what we're doing right now. We're picking this piece of work, this, this uh, artwork apart. And uh, part of the idea of the song is comparing like, okay, we can analyze this and overanalyze this, or we can enjoy this piece of art or
0: work or scene or whatever it is for what it is. The Listening Club discussion of Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful will take place Monday, July 26th from 6 to 7 p.m. on the Wilkinson Public Library's Lower Terrace.
1: It's no secret that Telluride is busy and the housing market is booming. And according to Lindsay Wright, behavioral health counselor at the Telluride Regional Medical Center, it's having an impact on the mental health of the community. It's something that's been
7: coming up more and more with the patients that we see at the medical center who, you know, maybe feel that their housing is insecure or have lost their housing or, you know, the majority of wages go to housing. And then on the employment side, people you know, not really getting days off or having to, you know, work with um, a shortened staff, but still the same amount, if not greater demand. Um, It just seems like there's a lot of kind of systemic stressors in that way right now.
1: But how does that translate into the mental health of the community? Wright says it comes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs.
7: Pretty much you have to meet kind of some base level needs before you're able to go on to the next and the next. And one of the really key needs just at the base level that you have to have or obtain before you can progress on to things like, you know, being in good relationships or, um, you know, being able to accomplish things or being, you know, a really self-actualized person, achieving like the best that you can, um, you know,
1: first at that base level, you have to be able to have like food and shelter and warmth and a place to sleep. Locally, she sees people opting out of things that traditionally help with their mental health. They're not going to necessarily
7: have the motivation to go
1: out and do those things that are good for
7: themselves, like go ride their bike or go spend time with friends because obviously referring back to that hierarchy of needs those basic needs aren't met so you can't really engage in these other things in a real or productive way
1: right notes there isn't an easy answer for addressing stressors that are often to an extent out of your control but there are tips you can try
7: in the moment if you experience a surge of overwhelming stress i would encourage someone to do something like a grounding technique something to tie you back to that very moment you know even if you are losing your house or so your rent's increasing by $1,000 You know, this, this month. In that moment, you're probably safe and OK. So taking some
1: time to use all of your senses to take in the world around you might be something in that moment to help. She adds it may be helpful to find some control by taking action to address the stressors on a more systemic level. But with everyone in the thick of summer, we could all take a moment to breathe.
0: The Grand Mesa and Compagre and Gunnison National Forest will rescind level one fire bans as of midnight tonight. Falling fire indices in the region mean that campers will now be allowed to build their own campfires. GMUG Public Information Officer Glenn Sackett says that places a lot of importance on building, maintaining, and putting out campfires properly.
4: So even though you'll be able to build campfires in dispersed areas and rock fire rings, properly built rock fire rings. Uh, It's really important to build those properly in a safe spot where you don't have vegetation overhead, where you don't have dead material where embers can blow out of the ring and catch a fire.
0: Sackett says fires must be fully extinguished when left unattended. If it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. Sackett also says travelers should check the website westslopefireinfo.com for localized information on fire restrictions.
1: Tens of millions of dollars in state and federal money is finally reaching Grand Lake as the mountain community rebuilds after last year's deadly fire season grass is being planted on burned hillsides and the town is again welcoming tourists. But as KOTO Scott Franz reports, many residents are still traumatized and they're banding together to find their own way of recovering.
8: Nine months have passed since the east troublesome fire ripped through the Grand Lake area, destroying more than 300 homes. Many are hesitant to talk to me about their losses. And then I meet Bill Bruton.
5: Yesterday I was up there hiking in the park and it's uh... It's amazing.
8: The longtime resident is leading a historical tour for a small group of visitors. During a short break, he tells me how the fire has changed areas inside Rocky Mountain National Park.
5: The vistas are greater than they ever were because all there are are black pecker poles sticking up. But you can see ridges that I didn't know where they were because it was always green.
8: But there's also signs of trouble from the state's second largest wildfire.
5: The creeks have run in black now sometimes after the rain. Um, people are a little nervous.
8: Bruton did not suffer any personal losses during the fire, but to better understand how it impacted those who did, he suggests I stop by a newly opened museum. It's run by Emily Hagen, who leads Grand Lakes Chamber of Commerce.
3: That is a piece of metal roofing material recovered from a home in Sun Valley Ranch.
8: Higgin shows me a range of charred artifacts recovered from burned homes, including jewelry and other family heirlooms. And there's lots of photos.
3: You can really see the intensity in some of these images. They're not easy to look at, but this wasn't an easy situation. There's not a way to make this fire right.
8: Which got me wondering, why open an exhibit revisiting the town's darkest day, and so soon after it happened?
3: it can be really difficult for someone who lost everything to discuss it over and over and over again. So this project started as an early version for me as the chamber director to support my businesses by giving them a place to send their guests who have questions so that they maybe get a break from talking about the fire. Some days they can, some days they can't.
8: As we're looking around, Andy Pitcher arrives with another artifact for the growing display. It's a piece of burned tree bark from her ranch that was destroyed. She chokes up when she spots a large bowl of candy that pays tribute to Mary Lynn Heilman, a friend and neighbor who died in the fire along with her husband Lyle.
5: Mary Lynn had 40 bowls of candy in her house all the time. There'll always be candy in this bowl. But it's an honor for us, who lost everything. People come
8: and witness it.
5: Just witness it, just sit there with us
4: and watch it.
8: And that's when she invites me out to a family member's cabin on the outskirts of town to tell me more about her recovery from the fire. On my drive over, I can see other signs that things are starting to mend. There are these fields of brilliant purple lupine flowers and they're growing right up to the charred earth. Hey, good to see you again. When I arrive, I can see just how close the cabin came to being consumed by flames that ripped through the trees just yards away.
5: It may not look like the Ritz-Carlton, but right now it's the Ritz-Carlton. Come
8: in, have some lunch. Should I take my shoes off?
5: I, you know, I kick them off right here.
8: Okay.
5: Um, I think you're probably pretty good. We are not fancy here in Grand Lake.
8: Andy Pitcher says she feels more comfortable here, surrounded by charred earth, than she does in town. That's because this area has already been burned. She lost a lot, but she also gives thanks for what she does have.
5: Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful unto thee for our many blessings for this place, for what was preserved in the fire. We're grateful for the attention and the witnessing of the fire and grateful f- for this food and, and that, we have a, that we have a roof over our head at this time. We ask that that would bless us, bless our loved ones, bless the food so it'll strengthen us and bless our land to come back and us to stay committed to it. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
8: After a meal of baked chicken, we drive down the road to what's left of her home. The gate. She calls it the black.
5: This is the end of the county route here. And the gate, which must remain locked, sadly, is the gate to the vortex of the troublesome. And um, leads to the resting place of my loved ones, where they'll always be. and it, And it's kind of oddly hallowed ground now.
8: What are we walking on here?
5: Well, that was the kitchen. (laughs) That was the double kitchen. There was the dance hall. There was, (laughs) I'll send you photos. This was the barn, quote unquote, the (laughs) barn.
8: All that remains is melted glass and a pair of cheap camping chairs that Pitcher has set up in an area she jokingly calls her office. But among all this rubble, she sees opportunity.
5: Everything's gone, the foundation's gone. But I think about, um, I think my septic system is still around.
8: She thinks it could be the perfect place to build a tiny, new home. Before we leave, I asked what she thought of the state's response to wildfires.
5: There's not enough legislation to stop it. We thought about abatement. I mean, you know, We always had a plan in terms of clear the trees 300 feet from your building or, or how do we prevent, how do we prevent. The reality is we now need to come around to once cataclysm happens, geocataclysm happens to you, This is how you go on afterwards, because we knew the fire was coming for 20 years. Nobody told me, nobody gave me a game book on how to go forward afterwards.
8: But life in Grand Lake is moving ahead. A dozen or so tourists are looking at artifacts and asking questions about the fire back at the new east troublesome exhibit
3: there's definitely days that are harder than others
8: emily hagan says the community is resilient and there are always reminders of the fire to deal with
3: for example personally i wasn't prepared for when the snowmelt, when the snow melt happened how dark the ground was you know having that layer of white really kind of softened the blow things like that occasionally happen and they, it's kind of like a scab comes off your wound and you feel it for a few days and then it kind of heals back over and you just keep moving forward. All in all, we're doing really well. You know, we're a tough community that knows how to circle up around each other and take care of each other.
8: I'm Scott Franz in Grand Lake.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the Western San Juans calls for showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Friday, expect showers and thunderstorms with a high in the mid-70s. Friday night, calls for showers and thunderstorms with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday, there's a 90% chance of showers and thunderstorms with a high near 70. And Saturday night, calls for a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, July 22nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. And now, personal commentaries.
9: Hey Coto listeners, life in a small town can be hard. Personally, I have a unique medical condition and the nearest specialist is in Durango. It can be hard to find transportation or take time out of my busy schedule to make the trip. Other factors like a lack of stable housing, food insecurity, and cultural barriers can have a serious impact on your health. Tri-County Health Network wants to know what you need to live your happiest, healthiest life in our community. Fill out our survey and tell us what we can do to help. The survey is completely anonymous and can be completed online at tchnetwork.org backslash health-survey in both English and Spanish. If you don't have easy access to a computer or Wi-Fi, you can find our staff at local farmers markets and community events with tablets in hand to collect surveys. If you need more convincing, you'll get a $5 gift card when you complete it. Make your voice heard and fill out our survey today.
10: Hi, everybody. Ashley Bradley here to talk to you briefly about the upcoming Bow Wow Film Festival and auction, which are going to be taking place online this year, running July 23rd to August 6th to benefit Second Chance Humane Society. We've got some amazing auction items that we just want to highlight briefly for you so you can get psyched to log in online and bid on some of our fun auction packages and items, starting with a pool party for your pooch. This is a priceless event, um, never before offered. It's an hour-long pool party uh, the day that the Town Park Pool will be closing, which is August 29th, and your pooch and nine of their friends and 20 of their Uh, Family companions can come and hang out and swim at the town park pool. We've got a wellness package with an acupuncture treatment and lunch uh, at lunch money here in Telluride. We've got state-of-the-art cryotherapy treatment available only at Pure Beauty. Some delicious dining experiences including uh, 221 South Oak, provisions in Ridgeway, butcher and baker, as well as a custom bakery box uh, from the Golden Golden Crumb Bakery. Uh, stock up on amazing fresh local produce with a gift certificate from Vicki's Fresh Food Movement. Explore the West End with a two-night stay at Camp V outside of Natarita. Uh, in addition to a fun side-by-side rental with Three Peaks in Nucla, and pick up breakfast on your way at Thornycroft Kitchen in Norwood. There's dog agility training in Grand Junction, a luxurious visit to 10,000 Waves in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Nurture your inner adventurer with an overnight at Opus Hut in Ophir or a guided Via Ferrata outing for four people in Ure. Explore the beauty of nearby McElmo Canyon with a stay at the Canyon of the Ancients Guest Ranch and a tasting and vineyard tour at Sutcliffe Winery. We have beautiful jewelry pieces, estate artwork, pieces, and more. So again, please check out Bow Wow Film Festival and the online auction benefiting Second Chance Humane Society running July 23rd to August 6th.